since first beginning to preach full-time on October the 8th of 2001, as near as I can figure, stopping to think about it, I have probably preached somewhere around 3,500 lessons, preaching and teaching combined. And if I had a top 10 list out of all those lessons, the contents of which I desperately wanted the world as well as the church to hear and to understand and internalize the contents of, tonight would be on that top 10 list. The title of tonight's lesson is, Not to Judge, But to Save. Not to Judge, But to Save. It is taken from John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, as well as John 12, 46 through 48. But again, I cannot overemphasize the importance of the contents for either the church or the lost world at large to fully understand in its entirety. Please turn to me tonight in your Bibles as we begin in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. I keep emphasizing that because everybody wants to quote just 16. <laughs> John 3, 16 and 17. Read as follows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For, that connects it to what he just said, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. How I wish that all of those people who are always wanting to quote John 3.16 would do the same exact thing with John 3.17 and understand John 3.17. The word condemned, or condemn, where it says in verse 17, God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, that word right there in the Greek is a word krinos, K-R-I-N-O-S, krinos, I'm terrible at pronunciation. I have no idea if that's how it's pronounced or not, but it's K-R-I-N-O-S. And, and for the sake of tonight's lesson, I'm going to pronounce it Krinos because that's all I know. Okay? But some of the meanings of that word are, let me give you three of them. To preside over with the power of giving judicial decisions. Number two, to be judged in the sense of summoned to trial that one's case may be examined and judgment passed upon it. That's what that word condemn, krinos, means, amongst other things. The third meaning is to decide or determine or decree, to pronounce sentence or pass judgment. That's what krinos means, to pass judgment or sentence upon. That is why that word is translated condemn in the New King James Version. However, the American Standard Version does not translate it as condemn. The American Standard Version in this verse translates it judge. The ASV says, 
For God sent not the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world should be saved through him. But, but either way, whether the word there you translate as condemn or judge, either one, either way, the meaning is completely clear. Jesus Christ did not come to judge, that is, to pass final judgment upon, to pronounce final sentence upon, or to subsequently condemn the world the first time he came. That's not what he came for. He didn't come to pass that final judgment to condemn them for all eternity the first time he came. Instead, he came to save the world. That's what verse 17 says. He came to save the world from having. What did he come to save them from? He came to save them from having to face that final judgment. He didn't come to final judge them. He came to save them from having to face that final judgment and that sentencing of condemnation which their sinful behavior deserves. That's what he came for. That's the meaning of verse 17. This Greek word krinos also appears prominently in our second major text of tonight's sermon. John 12, please turn there. John 12, 46 and 47, beginning. Look what it says. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Same message as John 3:17. I did not come to judge the world, Jesus says. I came to save the world. Now, taking our definition of krinos and inserting it here where it's translated judge, where this word judge occurs in this passage, how would John 12, 46, 47, and 48 read? Here's how it would read. Follow along in your own Bible. Every time you see the word judge, I am going to insert the meaning of krinos as we have discussed it. I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not pass final judgment slash pronounce final sentence upon him. For I did not come to pass final judgment, pronounce final sentence upon the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which passes final judgment, pronounces final sentence upon him. The word that I have spoken will pass final judgment, pronounce final sentence upon him in the last day. That's the way that would read if we inserted the Greek meaning, or the meaning of the Greek word krinos, wherever it says judge. It is critical. It is critical to note this is the same Greek word that's used in Matthew 7.1. You know, do not judge lest ye be judged, that, that one that everybody's always throwing around. It's the same word, krinos. What does that mean? Do not pass final judgment, final sentence upon somebody unless you face final sentence or final judgment because basically what you've done is you've taken over God's job. Krinos. Now, the fact is, and I hope I can explain this like I want to. The fact is that even Jesus Christ, the first time he came, he did not come 
to krenos, the world. He did not come to pass final judgment. He, and that's what the word judge means. He did not come to pass final judgment. So hence, Matthew 7, 1, we are not to pass final judgment. Even Jesus didn't do it the first time he came. We certainly don't have the right to. That passing of final sentence is God's job and God's alone. And that's what the word judge means. It's that judge means, that krenos, it's that final judgment. Even Jesus didn't that first time, so we as his followers are certainly not given that supreme judicial power, the power to judge in the sense of rendering final judgment or passing final sentence on people and determining and decreeing where they're gonna spend eternity. We don't have that power, okay? But this is the thing that I wish everybody in the world as well as the Lord's church could simply open their eyes and come to understand and that's the meaning of that word. I wish that everyone in the world who considers themselves to be non-judgmental and they claim to judge nobody, but then they turn around and judge us for being too judgmental, actually had some sort of clue what that word really means in the word of God. I wish that everyone everywhere would come to understand what the Bible is talking about when they quote Matthew 7, 1 and say, don't judge me, don't judge me. I wish they understood that, the, that in the Bible, the Bible's instructions not to judge in places like that does not mean, does not mean that we are not to discern the difference between what is right and what is wrong and tell them. I wish they understood that. Did, did you all hear that? I mean, I know I'm not soft-spoken, but let me say it one more time. I wish that people who emphasize or quote Matthew 7, 1 would understand that the Bible's instructions to not judge in places like that does not mean that we are not to discern the difference between what is right and what is wrong and share it. That's not what the word judge means there. At all. At all. In fact, here's, here's something for you to consider. The very meaning of the word itself means that we are to discern what is right and wrong and tell them. You know why? So they can escape the real judgment. They can escape final judgment like Krenos means. I wish that everybody understood that the Bible's instructions not to judge in Matthew 7.1 do not mean that you and I cannot correct them even very firmly when necessary if they're living in sin and need to get back on the straight and narrow because we don't want them to face the final judgment. In fact, consider this. That kind of correction is exactly what Jesus Christ did, is it not? Did not Jesus Christ correct sin and error? Isn't that what he did? Sure it is. Yet, and here's, here's the way we need to understand this, and this is what I hope I can get across. Jesus came and corrected error. He told people when they were headed in the wrong direction, right? That wasn't judging them because the scripture says very clearly he did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. So whatever Jesus did was to save them from final judgment, not to judge them. Y'all with me on that? That's what we got to get our heads around here. 
in order to save someone from actually having to face the final judgment, the final passing of sentence, the passing of sentence judicially down upon them, in order to save someone from having to face that final judgment, who is headed in the wrong direction, we must conform to the three C's. The three C's. Number one, confirm. We must be able to first discern and then identify their sin and error according to the word of God. Confirm it, that that is indeed sin. Folks, when we confirm that something is sin according to the word of God, that's not judging anybody. That's not passing final sentence on them, which is what the word means. That is not judging them. That is seeking to help them be saved from the final judgment. Number two, C, we must confront. Verbally tell them of the danger they are in if they continue in that direction and down that path of sin and self-destruction. Folks, that's not being judgmental. That's trying to save them from facing the final judgment in their sins. We're not judging them at all when we confront them and tell them the danger they're in if they continue in that direction. We are seeking to save them from judgment, not condemn them to hell for what they're doing, but say, hey, do you not want to go to hell? Then you've got to change this. That's not judgment. The way the Bible's using the word judge is passing final judgment. Number three, we must correct. Show them the way to abandon their path, correct their course, and turn their life back to God and help them get on the straight and narrow path that leads to heaven. Folks, when we do that, that's not judging people. That's not crinosing. That's not passing sentence. That's trying to help them avoid having sentence passed upon them. For we are not here to crinos, judge, pass final judgment on people. We, like Jesus, are trying to save people. For Jesus did not come to judge the world in that sense, he came to save it. Well, how do we know for absolute certain that to tell somebody they're wrong, to, to confirm their sin is sin, to confront them with their sin, and to correct them, how do we know that that's not judging them? How do we know that that's not judging? Well, it's really easy. It's so simple a child can do it. Because we know that Jesus Christ did not come to judge the world, right? We've Looked at that twice, but he came to save it. Well, how did he save it? We see from Jesus that saving people from judgment instead of judging them involves telling them point blank when they need to repent. Everything Jesus did was to save. It wasn't to judge, it was to save. And yet Jesus told people point blank when they needed to repent. He said, hey, if you don't repent, you're going to likewise perish. Remember that? Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Turn there. Luke 13. This is not judgment. This is to save the world. Because Jesus didn't come to judge. He came to save. How did he save? He saved people by telling them when they needed to change. That wasn't judging them. Luke 13, 1 through 5. They were present at the season. I'm sorry, there were present at that season some who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. Jesus answered and said to them, do you suppose these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Is that judging them? Can't be. Can't be. Why? Because Jesus didn't come to judge, he came to save. This is an attempt to save them. 
Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed him, do you think that they were worse sinners than all the other men who dwell in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you're going to perish too. Is he judging them? Can't have been. He couldn't have been. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus did not come to judge. So he's not. What's he doing? Trying to save them. He's not passing final judgment on them. He's not condemning them to hell. He's trying to get them to escape that judgment. What else did Jesus do? What else is saving people from judgment instead of judging them? What does that look like? Well, it means identifying and publicly infor informing everybody that is under the influence of man-made false doctrines that if they don't conform to God's commandments, their worship is vain. Did Jesus do that? Sure did. Matthew chapter 15, 1 through 10, Mark chapter 5, verses 7, um, Mark chapter 5, 7, Mark chapter 7, I knew I had that wrong. Mark chapter 7, 5 through 13, he told them about how their doctrines and commandments of men made for vain worship. Was he judging them? Was he passing final sentence on them? No. He was telling them that they need to stop doing that so they could be saved and escape final judgment because judgment means final passing of sentence. He didn't do that. If he had of it, been over for all of us. Jesus saving people instead of judging them, what does that look like? Telling them when they are an evil, adulterous, and wicked generation. He did that in Matthew 12, 39 through 45. Was he judge was he crenosing them? No. He wasn't passing final judgment. He's trying to save them. Do we see the difference? I hope so. He didn't come to judge the world, but he didn't. He saved it. Saving people from judgment instead of judging them involves, according to Jesus, telling those who think they know what the word of God says, when they're wrong, how they're wrong, and why they're wrong. <gasps> Hope I don't choke. <laughs> did, you, did you catch that? Saving people from judgment instead of judging them involves telling those who think they know what the word of God says, when they're wrong, how they're wrong, and why they're wrong, because everything Jesus did was to save. He didn't come to judge. And yet in Matthew 22, verse 29, he said this. He said, you are wrong, for you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Jesus came out and said, you're wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. Was he passing final judgment on them when he said that? No. He was trying to save them. He was trying because they were headed in a wrong road. He was trying to save them from eternal judgment, from Krenos, from the, from the final passing of judgment. In order to save them, they had to know they were wrong. That's not judging them. Not as the Bible uses the term in so many places. Is it judging the difference between right and wrong? Yes. But Jesus wasn't judging them because the Bible says that's not what he came to do. Over and over and over we see this. Turn to me in your Bibles to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, 39 and 40. Take a look at what it says. We see from Jesus that saving people from judgment instead of judging them involves telling them when they're wrong. He said here, 
In John 5, 39 and 40, you search the scriptures, for in them you think that you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Jesus wasn't judging those. He said, you're looking at the Bible, but you refuse to come to Jesus. Can you imagine what would happen today if you said to somebody, some religious friend, you know the Bible, but you refuse to do what Jesus said. What's the first response? You're judging me. No, no, not if they understand what the Bible says, because Jesus didn't come to judge, but yet he used that very language. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they tell of me, but you refuse to come to me. He's not passing final judgment on them. He's seeking to save them. We could go on and on and on, but I think the point is, is really well made. For those of you taking notes, there's also John 8, 39 through 47, the, the same thing. Jesus, and get this church, Jesus was not, N-O-T, capital, emboldened, underlined, italicized, highlighted, Jesus was N-O-T, not, not judging, not crinosing, not passing down final sentence when he came and confirmed to people that they were sinning and he confronted and sought to correct them. That is not passing a final judgment. It's not. And we've got to understand what the Bible means when it's talking about he did not come to judge but to save. Jesus was seeking to identify their sin to them in order to give them time to repent and get out of them so that they would not have to enter into judgment for them. This is what we've got to help people understand. If I tell somebody they're wrong, the worship according to man-made doctrines is going to take them to hell, that God doesn't honor that. I'm not judging those people. I'm not passing final sentence on it. That's way above my pay grade. You know what I'm seeking to do? I'm seeking to save them. That's what Jesus did. This is exactly what all of us who claim to faithfully follow him must do as well. Let me give you some examples that we must do. Is it, as we have discussed the word krenos, passing a final judgment, is it judging somebody and being judgmental or seeking to save them if we say to somebody, if you don't repent, you're going to perish? Are we passing judgment on them or are we seeking to save them? Seeking to save them, aren't we? Just like, that's what Jesus did in Luke 13. We just read it, Luke 13. Is it judging and being judgmental or seeking to save someone when we tell them that practicing the doctrines and commandments of men is going to make their religion vain? No, no, you can't. That's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible says. And you need to worship the way God said. When we do that to somebody, are we being judgmental? Are we passing final? No. We're trying to save them from final judgment. What about when we say to somebody, That's not what the scripture says. That's not what the scripture says. That's wrong. Have you considered this? How dare you judge me? I'm not judging anybody. I'm trying to seek, I'm trying to save your soul from facing judgment. That's what we got to get. What about when we say this? Turn to me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6. What about... When we say to somebody, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. When we say to somebody involved in any one of these sins, 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. When we say that, have we judged them? Have we passed final judgment on them? No, we simply said, look, if you continue down this road, then you'll know what judgment's all about. What you're seeing from me, that ain't got anything to do with judgment. Let me tell you, you don't want to see what judgment's all about. I don't want to face judgment day without Jesus Christ. Do you? And I want to save them from doing that. And all I'm pointing out is, is if you keep going this way, you're going to know what real judgment's about. You think I'm judgmental? You have no clue what the word means. I'm seeking to save you from finding out what that word really means. What about Galatians 5? What about when we tell people what's listed in Galatians 5? If we say to them the following, and they're involved in some of these sins, and we say to them, just what the Bible says, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, if we say to them, look, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we say that to somebody, are we being judgmental? I'm not passing final judgment on anybody. Jesus told them when they were wrong, seeking to save them from Krenos. He did not come to judge, but to save. But in his saving, he told people all of these things. But he wasn't judging them. Again, we could go on all evening long with this, but the point ought to be pretty clear. We do not have the right. We do not have the authority. We do not have the ability to Krenos judge, that is to pass final judgment on anybody whatsoever. I cannot say, you are going to hell. I've passed judgment on you, I have that authority. That's what Krenos means. I don't have that authority. Do any of you? Do you have that authority? I don't. Jesus didn't give it to me, that's God's authority, that's not mine. And the reason why that we don't have the right to pronounce sentence on somebody, listen, anybody can change. Steve did an outstanding job Wednesday night with his devotional. Excellent job talking about how John changed from one of the sons of thunder to the apostle of love. Saul of Tarsus was changed from a Christian killer into the author of so much of our New Testament. Anybody can change, and you don't know what's going to happen 10 years down the road. So God doesn't give us the authority to, to pass final judgment on that person because final judgment is his job after their last breath, not ours 20 years before they take it. And that is where we come in just as Jesus did. What we do have the responsibility to do is seek to save those lost in sin. Not judge them, not pass final, but to save them in the sense of pointing out where they're wrong so they can fix it. That's what Jesus did. That's what he came to do. You can't save somebody who's headed in the wrong direction unless you let them know they're, guess what? Headed in the wrong direction. How many of you, when you're feeling perfectly fine, go to the doctor's office for a prescription? Raise your hand. When you're feeling perfectly fine, there's nothing wrong with you and you go to, I, I'm not talking about those of you who work in a doctor's office, okay? For those, how many? Nobody does, why? 
Because if there isn't something wrong, you don't go to get it fixed. Listen, if we don't tell people when they're off base with the word of God, they ain't going to go to God to get it fixed. And if they don't get it fixed and they keep going the way they're going, they're not going to go to heaven. We don't tell people those things to judge them, to pass final judgment. Krenos, we tell them to save them. Because believe me, they have no idea what real judgment's all about. And we are seeking to save them from having to find out. You know, that's the beauty of the Bible. <laughs> Amongst many, that's one of the beauties of the Bible. Look at me in John 12 and verse 48. Look at the, the last part of that text, John 12 and 48. God is so good to us. Look at John 12, 48. So grateful to be a Christian tonight. Let's start in 47 again. Jesus said, and if anyone hears my words and does not believe, I do not judge him, for I didn't come to judge the world, but to save it. Then he says this in verse 48. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. Jesus said, look, if they, I didn't come to pass final judgment on him now. I came to save him. But, but if they don't listen to me, they're going to have something that is going to pass final judgment on them. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Jesus said there is something that's going to take care of that. This is it. And God is so good to us because Jesus came down and looking forward to Judgment Day, Jesus came down and he says, I'm going to show you. I'm going to give you the very words that God's going to use to pass final judgment on that day. I'm going to show you. This is like an open book test. How many of you kids are in school would prefer a test where you can use your textbook and just open it up and find the answers right. Doesn't that sound better than an open book test? Pretty cool, right? I mean, it's not too hard if you can find what you want in the chapter, right? Don't have to study, just open a book. Jesus came to say, look, John 12, 48, if somebody doesn't receive my words, he has that which judges him on the last day. The words that I've told him, Jesus said, it's, come, it's an open book test. I've come now to give you the answer key to the test. You want it? Here's the answer key. This is what's going to judge you. And I want you to have it. And where you're off base, you need to get back on base. And where, where you're not going in the right direction that this book says, you need to get back headed the right direction. Because this is the very criteria by which you, you will be judged. You will be krenos. You will face final judgment. But, but this is the criteria God's going to use it. And if you have it now, and you study it, and you see it, and you go by it, you pass the test. See how easy that is? You can be saved. But you're only going to be saved by following my words, Jesus says. And if you don't, and if anyone rejects me and my words, he does have that which judges him. It's going to be that word. And if he doesn't keep that word, he can find out what judgment's all about. The truth is, if we have lovingly, and I mean lovingly, like Jesus did, confirmed, identified, and sought to show someone their sin and what they need to do in order to correct it according to God's word. And they get all mad and, and, and they say, well, you have no right to judge me. How dare you judge me? You holier than thou, Christian. What makes you think you have the right to judge? And they get all, all worked up. Fact is, we still haven't judged them. We haven't. We haven't passed final sentence. 
Fact is, when we merely point out their sins to them and show them what God's judgment day criteria really is, and they refuse to accept his truth, and they refuse to, to get back on track and take the appropriate action to correct the course, get this, we have not judged them at all. The point is, if they refuse to repent and get in line with what the word says that will judge them on the last day, we've not judged them. They have judged themselves as unworthy of eternal life. We haven't judged them. But when they toss out the criteria by which we will be judged on that final day, when they throw that out and they don't anything to do with the word of God, they have judged themselves. They have passed final judgment on themselves because they've thrown out the judgment criteria. They have passed final judgment on themselves. What they have said with their judgment of themselves is that they are unworthy of eternal life because they don't want to see the criteria. As a matter of fact, Paul taught this. Look in Acts 13, final text of the night. When a person refuses the correction that the criteria for judgment day, the word of God says they must make, and they don't want anything to do with that. We, we haven't judged them. Don't let somebody get away with charging you with something you didn't do. You know, I've said many times in my life, if uh, you know, if I make a mistake, and I make enough of them, I make more than I'd like to, okay? If I make a mistake and I mess something up, guess what? You can blame me. I'll take the blame if I messed it up, okay? But don't blame me for somebody else's mess up. If you mess up, I don't want them over there blaming me for it. They can come see you. Don't let somebody blame you for something you didn't do. Don't let somebody say, how dare you judge me when you share the word of God with them and they reject it because the fact is you didn't judge them. They judged themselves. Look with me in Acts 13. Verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. When the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul, which was the word of God, by the way. And Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, watch this, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Here's the criteria, John 12, 48. Jesus said, if they reject my words, they have something which judges them on the last day. The word I have spoken will pass final judgment on them. These people wouldn't take the open book test. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy, of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. When I tell somebody, God's word says that, that, that that's, that's a sin. They accuse me of judging them, I'm not gonna let them get away with it. I didn't do it. I'm not passing final judgment on them, but if they reject this, they're passing final judgment on themselves. Plain and simple, they're crenosing themselves. That ain't on me, that's on them. Where are you tonight? When I tell somebody you need to hear the word of God and you need to believe the word of God and you need to be willing to repent, of your, repent and, and turn your heart toward God and, and you need to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, 
then you need to live faithful. Well, how dare you judge me? You, do you dare judge I'm not saved? No, no, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you what God's word says. I didn't come here to judge you, I came here to save you, just like Jesus did. And I can tell you what the word of God says, that's what Jesus did just to save people. Question is, are you gonna judge yourself unworthy of eternal life by rejecting the criteria by which God will judge us on the last day? Tonight, if you are here, I'm pleading with you. If you have never been baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, I don't want you to have to face judgment without the advocate, Jesus Christ. I don't want you to have to see what real judgment is all about because you refuse the grace and the mercy of God. You refuse to have your sins washed away the way God said to do it. I don't want to see you face that. I'm not judging you. I just want to see you saved. What do you want? Tonight, if you would like to be saved, we would like to baptize you for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're somebody that's already done that, you need the prayers of the church to be a stronger Christian or to better understand the difference between judgment and saving or whatever. If there's any way that we can help you tonight, please do not walk out that way. Please, till you're sure you're saved. If we can help you, please come to the front as we stand and sing.